0: Does it feel as though your life is falling apart? Pastor Ed Tanner says, give your life to Jesus, who holds everything together.
1: All of us are broken. None of us have a mind the way it should be. None of us have a body the way it should be. None of us have emotions intact like they should be. But one day when we're in the presence of Jesus, it's all going to be the way it should be. Just know that. It's all coming. Definitely coming, okay? So... So we know that day's coming, but, but right now, right now, God is holding things together. And if you didn't have Jesus in your life, it'd be far worse. It'd be far worse. And I'm coming to find that not only, not only is Jesus holding atoms together, but he's holding my life together.
0: This is amazing grace. This is amazing. Welcome to Abounding Grace, a ministry of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Pastor Ed Taylor will join us in a moment and continue our new series in John's Gospel. We're taking our time in the first chapter due to its rich contents, and we're getting to know a bit about Jesus. Last time we established that we were created by Him, through Him, and for Him. But today, we want to take it a step further and show you that he holds everything together. That includes your life and mine. Colossians chapter 1,
1: in verse 18, we didn't read, but we'll read it now, of chapter 1. He uses the word firstborn again, Paul does, and says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things he may have the preeminence. Now, was Jesus the first one to resurrect from the dead? Yes or no? No. We have at least one example of a resurrection before Jesus. Who was it? Lazarus. So this isn't chronology. He's saying, and he even clarifies it for us in verse 18, that he's the firstborn. Of course, Jesus is the most important resurrection. He's the only one to rise again and not die twice. So he is of preeminence. He's the example. He's the one to look to in the... Being raised from the dead, he's the one we follow. He's the one with preeminence. And I want to clear that up for you just in case someone knocks on your door or someone hands something to you at work or comes up to you at the library or you're there hanging out in the checkout line at Walmart and somebody comes up and you'd be amazed how the enemy loves to trip people up. This word means preeminent, most important, first in rank. So don't let some cultist come to you and say, see, Jesus is a created man. The Bible speaks louder and clearer than any false teaching. So back in Colossians, it says in verse 16, for by him, Paul says the exact same thing John did, for by him all things were created, heaven and earth, visible, invisible, thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him, and check this out, I love this, and, and for him. All things were created through him and for him. Wow. You know what that means? That means you and I were created for Jesus. That means you and I were created to be in a relationship with a God that loves us. That means there's meaning and purpose in your life. That means that God has what we would call a will and a purpose for you. You were created for him. There's no more thrilling truth than to know that my God wants to have a relationship with me. The thrill of knowing him and walking with him and talking with him and growing with him and becoming more like him. The thought of knowing that my satisfaction and my fullness and my hope are all found in the person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he created me. And why did he create me? For him. That's his purpose for your life. You see, today, if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you have never bowed the knee, you've never said, you know, God, you're right. I've strayed far from you. You know, God, you're right. I, I need to be in relationship with you. You know, God, I don't even quite understand what that means, but I do understand this. I do understand that you care so much for me that you created me, and you created me for you. You see, a lot of people, and you may be one of them, have sought satisfaction and contentment and hope in something that will never satisfy you. You know, it's very easy to get caught up in all the materialism of our culture. It's very easy to get caught up in all of the philosophy of the day. You know, some people, they worship money. And other people worship their families. And other people worship their minds and the knowledge. And we could go on and on of the things that have replaced. You see, you weren't created for money, friend. And you weren't created for some novel grand career. And you weren't created just to have a family. You see, all of those are great and wonderful and can be used for the glory of God in the right purpose. But I want to tell you right now, you've been created for God himself. You belong to him. And no amount of money will give you the satisfaction that you're looking for. No position will give you the satisfaction. No relation, nothing, nothing, nothing. But Jesus himself, we were created by him, through him, and for him. Not only that, he says in verse 17, not only that, but he's before all things. And in him, all things consist. The writer to the Hebrews says that he upholds all things by the word of his power. You see, Jesus is holding everything Together. He's holding everything together. And I know some of you don't believe that. You're just like, man, Ed, you don't understand. Like, Like, if he's holding everything together, I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. You know, I'm coming to find in my own life that Jesus is the one that holds things together, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally. It's all held together by him. You know, scientists, going back to the scientific picture, As they study atomic stuff and they look at the protons and the neutrons and all the power there and dividing and the nuclear power and you know, explosions and everything, they're just baffled how the nucleus of an atom can be held together. And they've come up with a phrase. They call it atomic glue. That's what holds it together. And they've got to make, you know, all these efforts and energy. It's not something I'm, I'm, I'm very strongly versed in, but some of you are. You just like totally know how all the nuclear stuff, and that's just cool with you. But I could tell you this. I could tell you this. I know why, uh, I know why an atom holds together. The Bible says in him, atoms exist. I trust him. I don't need to understand it all. I don't really understand the scientific, but I understand the Bible. And the Bible says in him, it oh, it's held together. You can call it what you want, but my Bible says it's him, not it. But when you translate that power into your life, how are you able to stand today, friend? It's but by the consistency and power of God. I mean, you think of some of these things. You go, well, Ed, you know, my, my mind, it's not what it should be. I have these highs and these lows and my mind wanders and, and mentally I'm not there and mentally I'm not all together and mentally people don't understand me and mentally and you're wrestling. This is an area of your life where you struggle and wrestle and, and you wonder, man, if, if the Bible says in him all things consist, then why is my mind the way it is? Well, let me just say to you. Whether it's your mind that you're wrestling with or it's a physical ailment, you know, like maybe it's not your mind. You're really clear-headed right now, but your body, your body, it's just racked with pain. Sometimes you're so much in pain that it speaks louder than the voice of God and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. If, in, if I'm in, if everything consists, everything's held together, why isn't God holding together my mind? Why isn't God holding together my back? Or emotionally, you're just a wreck. You've experienced some trauma, some sorrow, some sadness, some fear, some anxiety, and you're like, man, this is overwhelming. Let me just say, while there are areas of your life, well, let me just say this first. We're all broken. So all of us are broken. None of us have a mind the way it should be. None of us have a body the way it should be. None of us have emotions intact like they should be. But one day when we're in the presence of Jesus, it's all going to be the way it should be. Just know that. It's all coming. Definitely coming, okay? So, so we know that day's coming, but, but right now, right now, God is holding things together, and if you didn't have Jesus in your life, it would be far worse. It would be far worse. And I'm coming to find that not only, not only is Jesus holding atoms together, but he's holding my life together. That my life, I belong to him. When I begin to wander away, I know that I've gotten away from him. The fountain of living water You see, the only way to hold our homes together and our lives together and our careers and our minds and our bodies and our emotions, the only way to hold these things together is to be in Jesus, because in Him, all things consist. So that means to not be in Jesus, the Bible says that now you and I are fighting against, we're battling against the order of creation. We're not living the way God intended us to live, and no wonder we're messed up. So we're messed up as believers, but we have Jesus to hold on to as a hope. He's an anchor for our soul. But if you're living against the things of God, then no wonder, no wonder you can't find meaning in life. You're not going to find meaning in this life. This like, then sin has wrecked this world. You're not going to find meaning. Now, you might find some glimpses of things to do with your time, but it's not going to fulfill you. You might choose to be a very moral person, and that is sort of fulfilling, to be good and do good things. But until you do them with the motive to please God, you're always going to feel disconnected. You're always going to feel like you have to give more. You're always going to feel feel like you have to do more when you don't have that contentment of knowing, you know what, my life, it might be right now, you know, my emotions might be all over the place. But you know, Jesus has got me. I consist in him. And one day, my emotions are going to be healed. And one day, my body's going to be healed. And one day... My mind is going to be healed one day. Even along the way, remember we learn along the way to heaven, God is doing that work of healing in our life. He's restoring and changing and bringing to pass his will in our life. If you don't give your life, you see, you were made by him. You were made for him. And if you don't give your life to him, you're going to fall apart. Life won't make sense to you. You'll wonder what you're doing and where you're going. And while those things happen to us as humans, even as believers, God always has an answer, a comfort, an encouragement to hold on. You know, the beautiful thing is as bad as things are, the Bible promises, we're gonna learn this in John, the Bible promises that no one will snatch you out of his hands. You consist in him. It reminded me. Uh, in earlier services, I remember when the kiddo, kiddos were little, little, littler, is that a word? I'm making it up. When they were smaller, when they were little and they were smaller and we were crossing a busy street, I'd tell them, hold my hand, grab my hand, grab my hand, and they would usually grab my pinky and they'd grab and we, but you know what I did is we were, i let them grab my pinky while the light was red, but as it turned green, I'd turn my hand around and i grabbed grab their arm. So they can grab my pinky all they want, but believe me, we're getting across the street safe. And I'm holding on. If I have to drag them across the street, I'm dragging them. Because when you, when you start thinking about the brokenness of life, some of you are thinking, you know, there's, there's that thought of, of, you know, Ed, I'm trying to hold on. I'm barely making it. My, uh, my, my grip is slipping. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm almost, I'm, re- I'm letting go. I just, I've, I, I can't hold on anymore. I just want you to know that your Abba Daddy, your Father in heaven, has turned his hand around. And he's grabbed you. So that even if you lose your grip, he's not going to lose his grip on you. Why? Because all things consist in him. It's all in him. It's for him. It's to him. It's from him. It's through him. And it's important that you come into relationship with him so that even in the issues of life, you see, because in verse 18, back in Colossians, it says he is the head of the body. See, when, when you're in right relationship with God, you become a part of the family here. You become a part of, whether it's this church, that church, or all two churches. We're all one big family. We're all friends. We're all brothers and sisters in Jesus. And Jesus now is the head of that relationship. He's the head of the body, the church. He's preeminent. You have the hope of the resurrection. He's the firstborn from the dead. And it pleased him, verse 19, that all the fullness of God should dwell in him. Wow. Great stuff. Back in John now, as we wind down, John chapter 1. We left off in verse 4. Good stuff. Just so encouraging. No one will snatch me out of my father's hands. He's, in him all things consist. Well, what is in him? Verse 4. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. So what is in him? Life. Do you know in the Greek language, New Testament written in the Greek, Old Testament written in the Hebrew and a little bit of a language known as Aramaic. In the Greek language, there are three words basically that are used for life. The first one, very familiar, we use it in the English is the word bios. It refers to those that are... Ex- external things you know the when you study creation when you you know we get our word biology from that prefix bios it refers to you know breath physical things when it refers to a person it's speaking of outward and externals actually it's not used in the new testament all that much there's a second greek word it's the word suke, s-u-c-h-e when this refers to a person it speaks of the soul or the personality of a person and John could have used either bios or he could have used suke here, but he chose not to. Instead, he chose to use the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E. And this word it's used 36 times by John. We're going to see it a lot. We're going to see him use this word a lot to refer to the kind of life that you and I have by relationship in Jesus. And this word speaks of the quality of life. It speaks of, it's the word that's used when the phrase eternal life is used. It speaks of a quality of life. It speaks of an age abiding life. It speaks of what you and I have in Jesus. You have a quality, not quantity necessarily, but quality. But you do have quantity because in the quality of the life Zoe that Jesus gives, not bios, not suke, but Zoe, you have eternal. You have a quantity of life that will never end in relationship with God. That's the Jesus John is. entered. Jesus John says, I was with him. I hung out with him. I lived with him. I listened to him. I served him. So that by the time he gets where he started out as a son of thunder, by the time he gets to the end of his life, he's an apostle of love. Why? Because of this man here, Jesus. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things, talk about the power, all things were made through him. Nothing was made that was without him. Nothing was made that was made in him is life. And that life was light. Light and darkness are two metaphors that John is going to use to help us understand the condition of, of the world. Darkness, sin, separation from God, light is forgiveness, and relationship with God, and you'll see that. And so what John is saying is going, hey, the life has come and has brought light into a dark world. And, you know, you don't have to be alive very long to see that each generation, things are getting darker and darker and darker. Things are happening today. Things are going on today that weren't even thought of years ago. And things that were thought of years ago, there are in new ways and new inventions of participating in darkness that never existed before. Why? Because Jesus will say later in John chapter 10 that the thief doesn't come except to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have zoe, life, and that more abundantly. And so the light comes, shines in the darkness. But notice in verse 5, the darkness did not comprehend it. Now that word comprehend in the English, it's translated in English comprehend. It actually represents a Greek word that has a couple different definitions. One here is comprehend. That's what the translators chose. Not a bad translation. It, it has the picture of understanding. The light came into the world and the world didn't understand it. That makes sense. I could see that. That's certainly an an acceptable translation. But there's another translation. If you like to write in your Bibles, you might just want to write next to it. And that is this word comprehend could also be translated extinguish or put out. And so you read it that way and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. The light that shines in the darkness, the darkness didn't comprehend it. Okay. Um, Jesus will come and later say, he'll say um, that that Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. Didn't comprehend him. Didn't accept him. But when you say extinguish, you're like, yeah. Over the years, there have been men and even governments that have tried to wipe Christianity out. And the darkness cannot extinguish the light. Jesus would say before he died and rose again, he would tell us as believers, which he told his disciples. He said, you are the light of the world. And today, through us, the light is still shining. And the darkness still doesn't comprehend it. Still can't extinguish it. But one by one, people are getting saved. And one by one, families are being changed. And one by one, communities are being changed by the mission of Jesus Christ. And that's the the Jesus that John introduces to us. Pretty powerful in just a few verses. says, I just want to let you know, because we know that the purpose of the letter is in John chapter 20, toward the end. Two reasons, remember. One, this is written so you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So the purpose of John is that we might have a belief, a stronger faith that Jesus, the creator of the universe, the little baby in Mary's womb that grew up and spent three years ministering, died on a Roman cross, was buried and rose again the third day. You believe that he's the son of God, the Christ Messiah, that he's savior. And then secondly, that believing you might have life. You might have Zoe, true age abiding, true quality and quantity of life. Amazing stuff.
0: Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. His message today goes by the title of Jesus, the Creator, Life, and Light. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Ed Taylor or Calvary Church. Over the past couple of years, discouragement and depression have been on the rise. And maybe that would describe where you're at today. We have a book we'd like to recommend to you that can help. It's Struggling Under the Broom Tree by Bill Gem. Pastor Bill recalls the life of Elijah Someone who battled with discouragement and depression, too. But God, in his faithfulness, brought him out from under the broom tree of despair. If God did this for Elijah, you can be sure he can do it for you, too. Read all about God's rescue plan for discouragement in Struggling Under the Broom Tree. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Well, Pastor Ed, we learned today that Jesus is the creator of all things. But as you know, something entirely different is taught in many schools across America. Do you have any suggestions on how parents can help prepare their kids for the lies they'll encounter, in particular, evolution? Yeah, Larry, I think with parents, uh, this is a great question
1: uh, that needs to be addressed because with parents uh, putting their kids in the secular school system uh, or watching news or watching secular Discovery Channel or whatever, this is the language of the culture, humanistic evolution, and it's just constantly, 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 and the way to deal with lies is to inoculate with truth, but not just like... Parents, listen, would you please listen to me? Um, Let me make a suggestion. Number one, let me make a suggestion. I know it's not directly related to the question, but it is actually. Pick up this book, Grace-Based Parenting. Grace-Based Parenting. I believe the author is Kimmel, and you want to equip yourself in learning how to parent your children in an environment of grace, because here's what happens— so this is why I think the Holy Spirit put that book in my mind. Well, here's what happens. The world is the world, and it's scary, and we're afraid for our kids, and we don't know what's going to happen. So we sit our kids down and go, this is the truth. And I did change my voice on purpose. And this is what we believe, and this is what the Bible... And, you know, while they're young, they receive that. But as they're older, that's... I mean, and as they're young, they don't, we don't even need to deliver it that way. We can deliver it in such a way where we're teaching and discipling our kids through the truth of God's Word so that when they hear a lie, they can quickly dismiss it. And and it is not the church's responsibility to answer every spiritual question of your kids. You can answer it. So let me give you a website that you can start looking things up and learning yourself. You Ready? It's AnswersInGenesis.org, AnswersInGenesis.org. Ken Ham and his team there, this is the world that they live in, giving the truth and and so many resources. Reminds me, we need to get him back out here. He hasn't been here in a long time, so we need to set it up and get him back out here for a weekend, because when he he comes for a weekend, he drops ship pallets of books, because he's a resource ministry. And there are so many good things. There's devotionals to do with your kids. You can see them all on his website. And this isn't a commercial for him, but it is an encouragement because I love the brother. I love what he does. And if you will take the approach of grace-based parenting and love your kids and help your kids and not be fear-based, teaching them the truth, helping them understand, giving a real answer to a real question, the Lord will be with you. He'll take care of your kids, and he'll take care of you because there are good answers for these challenging times And the the whole theory and philosophy of humanistic uh, evolution just falls on its face. It doesn't make sense, and your kids
0: will be able to see that. Great question. That is great. Thanks for sharing that. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor leads us through God's Word, helping us live by and grow in God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace.